Welcome to Lightning in a Bottle, a podcast that addresses the needs of business owners before, during, and after they sell their company. As a business owner, you owe it to yourself, your family, and your employees to know your options, to be informed, and to plan early. We hope you enjoy this program, and if you have any questions, feel free to drop us a line by visiting our team's website at www.ubs.com forward slash ATX. This is your host, Josh Pottinger, and joining me is my longtime business partner, Jason Chorgianis, and together we run ATX Wealth Partners, a private wealth management team here focused on being a trusted resource for business owners, entrepreneurs, and the professional advisors that surround them. Okay, here we go. Our uh, topic today is around an important component of building out your team of advisors to help you monetize your business, the investment banker. And we've come to know several bankers over the years and have come to appreciate the work that they do. We also work with some professional athletes, and I think that there's a lot of commonalities between professional athletes and business owners. They work their tails off, they make these big sacrifices, they take big risks so that one day, if they're fortunate, They'll be able to capitalize on that hard work through monetizing their ideas or their athletic ability. Something else in common between these two groups of clients is they both need a coach. The best athletes in the world have a coach, and we think you should too. Bottom line is that hiring an investment banker can help you navigate the complexities of selling a company. And those complexities can be incredibly valuable to work through if you've got the right person sitting next to you to help you maximize the eventual outcome. One of those bankers that we've come to know is Jeff Spurlock, and we're excited to have him on the show today. He's a managing director here at UBS in the Financial Institutions Group, and he's responsible for covering residential mortgage and commercial finance clients. Jeff joined UBS back in 2014, and he has assisted several residential and commercial mortgage finance clients in raising over a billion dollars of debt and equity capital, as well as served in strategic advisory roles, working with senior management teams to present long-term business plans to their board. Jason and I had the privilege of working with Jeff on a deal for a client, and so we've, we've seen firsthand how hard these folks work and uh, how much risk they are taking in investing time with their clients out there. And so I want to just take a step back here. Jeff and and Jason, we still got you on the line there? We're still here. Okay. Well, Jeff, hey, thanks for uh, participating and and, and being a good sport here. It's my pleasure, Josh. (laughs) Good. So let's go ahead and take a step back, Jeff. And and I want to just kind of talk about what an investment banker is, what they do, and how they add value. So if you can shed some light on that, I would appreciate it. Sure. I'd say uh, at a high level and broadly speaking, um, because I think in our role, we can wear a lot of hats and take a lot of roles on and and do a lot of different things. Um, But at the end of the day, it all centers around being a trusted advisor to companies and senior leadership teams of companies, founders, and the like. And I say that largely because oftentimes what we do is give them advice, bring them ideas, and, and try to help help them, whether it be raising capital or selling a business, which oftentimes is 
is one of, if not the largest financial transaction they ever undertake. And for a lot of these folks, it's it's something that's quite new. They've not spent time. They're dealing with a lot of potential buyers or investors. There's a lot of moving pieces. There's a lot of information being shared. So helping just guide them through the process and help them achieve the best outcome, whether that be from valuation, partnering with a particular group that they think can be synergistic in growing a business or all of the above. Our job tends to be, again, just being that trusted advisor and helping guide folks through complex capital raising and, and M&A processes. Hey, Jeff, Jason, how are you? Jason, good to hear your voice. Same, likewise. I hope you're well. Well, on that note, in, in, in regard to earning your spot to be one of those trusted advisors, flip it around for us for a moment and put yourself in the shoes of that business owner. And I imagine, you know, sitting in those shoes, they, of course, want to know what your knowledge is of the space, perhaps have a good handle on, you know, your last two or three years worth of transactions applicable to their own transaction, but go a level deeper or two for us. And what should a, a, a founder and other stakeholders really come to appreciate about the specific banker they opt to hire? I mean, how, how do they get to that point where they make it the decision? Sure. So I think in an ideal case, you've got a long tenured relationship where from our perspective, we're always looking to get to know folks early on and, and you know, where, where you and Josh have been wonderful partners in terms of introducing us to clients of yours, you know, well ahead of any type of strategic event at the business. I think ideally you really get to know someone over time and, and in our role and, and what I would look for again, if I'm, if I'm the business owner is someone who is spending the, you know, the time really covering you, bringing ideas, sharing market color, trying to just add value whether that be through strategic introductions to folks that you believe could be new customers, folks that could, again, just help think through where uh, in one way, shape or form, you know, there you, you can add value in a one plus one equals three scenario in terms of growing a business. And, and that doesn't just have to be capital, right? We, we oftentimes will introduce a company to a completely unrelated company, simply knowing that together they can expand sales, you know, they can expand uh their sales coverage, or they can cross-sell products or services. And it's really, it's that type of relationship where I think we certainly gain credibility and we're delivering for folks well ahead of when there's a, a, a true formal advisory or, or capital raising transaction on the table. And, and through that, again, it gives you a great chance to get to know these folks and, and deliver for them where I think you're top of mind when, when they're looking to hire someone to help them through. Beyond that, I think a lot of this is really focused on you know, the two things I, if I'm in a, if I'm a business owner, the two things I really want to know is, does, does someone know the sector? If I'm raising money, has this person been involved in the sector? Do they know who the investors are that are taking the right view and will understand my business or how I, how I position myself or my go-to-market strategy relative to my peers? You know, so, so is someone really truly plugged in if I'm selling a business who are their views on the right buyers and why? So again, looking for sector expertise and someone that is really going to be able to bring that kind of domain knowledge to the table is, is I think, critical. And beyond that, I, I think it's just, it's really, it's integrity. We oftentimes look at this and we want to play the long game in that you want to give someone the right advice. And, and sometimes the right advice in the near term or the short term isn't what they want to hear. It may not lead to the outcome that we all want in terms of uh, an actionable situation where we, we've got a great transaction, but 
you want to give them the honest advice. And whether that be, hey, the market is just not there right now, or the peers in your sector are, are, are not trading particularly well, or whatever the case may be, you want to get another year or two of, of growth under your belt so you can go out and tell a better story with more credibility. I think it's just being honest and just not telling folks what they want to hear simply so they've got someone validating their own view because um, selling a business or or raising capital through an IPO or private placement, those transactions and those processes take a lot of time. It's a big investment of the senior leadership team. It's a massive undertaking. And to do so without everyone feeling as though everything is properly in place to to ensure success, I think can, can you know, there can just be a lot of a lot of negative byproducts here in terms of the time spent, the impact that can have on on an employee base or just overall morale. You know, you never want to see folks really gear up and, and spend a lot of time to try to get something done and, and then it doesn't work out. So I'd say those are the the main points I'd look for if if I'm a business owner and I'm thinking about hiring a banker or an advisor to to help me with um anything at the you you brought up something with, which made me think about if an owner is starting to th- starts to have some conversations with some bankers out there how do they communicate that do they communicate that with their employees like how do you help them kind of navigate that part of the equation it's very situational you know if you're a small small business with an employee base that's that, that has been around and 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 isn't going to you know, take great sensitivity. I think you can certainly include various folks at various times just because if you're selling your business, the buyer presumably is going to want to spend time not just with the business owner, but some of the other key employees of the organization. So you certainly want some of these folks to understand what's going on and bring them in early so they feel as though they're part of, of the process. I think it's just, it, it again, it's very situational. If uh, you know, clearly, if it's if it's a public company, there's a lot of uh, a lot of sensitivity around who knows what and you know who are who are deemed to be insiders and whatnot. So it it really does vary. I think what we tend to see more times than not is it's it's the CEO or the founder, right? It's it's the it's a smaller group rather than a larger group in, in the initial dialogue and idea shaping, and then as as things take shape and act, and act formally go to market, you tend to see a larger group brought in. Jeff, in terms of going to market, can you shed light a little bit on how someone in your shoes creates a buyer's list? What does that process look like? Well, I think it goes back to the the question around what would you be looking for? Uh, you know, we tend to try to be very targeted and thoughtful because having a hundred people on a list that may or may not take interest in a business, whether they be financial buyers or strategic buyers, doesn't really lend itself to a productive, efficient um, process. We tend to really want to understand a business, why they're different, how they position themselves relative to public or private peers. And through that, I think we just in our regular way, industry coverage of a particular sector are able to form a view as to who the highest probability strategic buyers are. And then again, with our regular dialogue with financial buyers, I think we tend to know who has a focus or a specific appetite in certain subsectors of financial services. So we can get to the same place, but in a far more narrow outreach where, again, we're managing a process to ensure that we get to the successful outcome, but we're not over, you know, we're not inundating, over inundating a founder or a client with 
having to deal with more potential buyers than than they otherwise would if uh, again if there's a targeted list developed. So when we think about who those buyers are, we look at it and say, does a company fill a product or a geographical you know void in a larger buyer's um, product roadmap or existing product offering? Does it add scale where there's a synergy play? There's a lot of uh, different ways to think about how you would assemble a buyer list, but I think it all kind of centers around just being in the, in the dialogue with, with, again, both sellers of, of businesses and, and folks on the operator side, as well as then who the, who the financial and strategic buyers are in various processes where we're involved from an M&A standpoint in, in terms of talking about uh, financing or any other capabilities, right? I think it, a lot of it just is, is being in the middle of a lot of that dialogue. Jeff, for uh, for the benefit of some of the, the the listeners out there, just the difference between a strategic and a financial buyer. When we think about a financial buyer, we think about private equity or a, a family office. Um, a financial buyer that is um, largely looking at or evaluating a transaction, largely if not solely based on the merits of of the return they believe they can generate. So they'll look at a company and say, "We believe we can finance the the acquisition." Based on this purchase price with with this amount of leverage, which means our equity investment is X, and if we believe this company will grow over time and we can sell it X amount of years down the road, we can model out a particular return. And if that return, if that IRR is interesting, then we want to spend time, and, and this is an interesting just a financial investment. Whereas a strategic tends to be again another operating entity that is looking to expand products or services. They may buy a company because they have a technology that they can layer in to make their own offering more efficient, scalable, or you know, there's a host of um of different criteria that you see. But I think that's how, you know, that that's a simple way to kind of distinct between strategics and financials, right? The strategic it's far more of a one plus one equals three type of analysis they tend to do. Whereas the financials, like I said, tends to be a little bit more of just what kind of return can I generate? I've got so many questions. They're not, they don't seem to logically follow the, the previous one. But uh, <laughs> I'm curious how often it has come about that you have represented the, you, you know, you're representing a target company. And oh, by the way, I happen to sit on the same side of the table as the acquirer in deals past. Or does that not happen every so often in in your shoes? No, I, I mean, I, you know, from a conflict standpoint, there's extensive measures taken, and we make sure to not put ourselves in that position where we're representing a seller or a buyer of a business. And you know, that's not to say you may not have knowledge of or or know the other side. Again, in terms of trying to bring a big part of our job is trying to bring two parties together with the ambition of executing a transaction. But in terms of the formal engagement or formal representation, it tends to be either or. Well, good. Well, I wanted to throw something in there, Jeff. I mean, going through the experience that we had with you and our our mutual client from the very beginning where we were up in New York meeting with the team, going through different ideas that you were throwing out at them, and then ultimately the transaction that ended up happening in the middle of a global pandemic was, 
you know, educational, certainly. And yeah, I think you're right. I mean, in terms of the value that, that, that y'all bring to the table is, is enormous. It's not just the transaction. I think, you know, we see the movies out there with bankers and it's like you get different, different uh, pictures in your head. But, you know, like you said, it's like you, you, you start these, these relationships early on before there's even a transaction to be had. And the ability to introduce them to other institutions or other companies to help them improve their business is, is good stuff. And I don't think a lot of people really appreciate that as much. So you bringing that up, I think, is, is important for the audience to hear. You know, if we have another client that comes to mind that did not use a banker in their transaction. And I, I really do think that I didn't know the client very well at the time, but I'm confident that, that had he you know, hired a, a solid banker, he would have probably had a bigger outcome. But well, I think I mean there's one, you know, we we try to help again, whatever the objectives are, and this ties into just in terms of sort of steps of running an efficient process. Uh, we can add value in a number of ways. So we certainly try to share our views as to how communication, the messaging, the process design, who's involved, who we believe has varying ability to be aggressive in, in, a, in a transaction. And there's a lot of factors kind of shape our view on, on who the optimal buyer set is. You know, that, that's one aspect of it. Another piece is just, there's a lot of work in terms of just managing the day-to-day information share, diligence Q&A. A lot of pieces go into bringing a transaction to fruition. And, and I think that's another piece where from our perspective, businesses I and mean, founders of companies or leadership teams, they have a day job. You know, that day job is running and growing a business. And and um, oftentimes, even with the assistance of a banker, there's still heavy demands on them running a process like this. But uh, we try to absorb as much of that simply so they don't take their eye off of uh, off of what they're really, you know, what they're doing and what they're best at, which is you know, running a business. So I think uh, there's a number of ways to add value or, again, try to be involved and help facilitate the best outcome. But a big part of that is an efficient process in that we try to clearly define with our clients up front, what are the objectives? What do you really want to do? And it doesn't have to be so narrow, you know, that that, that is very prescriptive with what we go out with. But I think the more definition and precision we can put around what, a, what, what, what the objectives are, the more we can help craft that message in our outreach to potential buyers or investors, give them clear focus, right? Uh, you know, folks, uh, I think with every passing day, you know, time is just the, the most scarce asset that folks have. So when we go to folks and approach them and say, we've got a business and they may want to sell control or a minority stake, or the more we can't define what the objectives are, I think just the less inclined you see folks are to really engage and spend time because they don't know what's being asked of them. And they certainly want to invest their time where they think they can see actionable ideas or opportunities come to fruition. So I think, again, a lot of that is it stems from, you know, when you, when you talk, which is where we add value or, or how we can help optimize an outcome. A, lot, a large part of that is being efficient and being very clear with what the objective is so you can communicate effectively and efficiently with, with folks on the other side. Jeff, even though the founder and the the executive team are the ones to give the final stamp of approval, is it common for them to allow, to give basically a a certain band of discretion as you're negotiating on their behalf where the marching orders is 
feel free to negotiate within this certain range. And I'm not even speaking necessarily ultimate acquisition price, but all the other considerations in there. Do you have any discretion or is it more so back and forth and then taking it back to your client and one step backwards, two steps forward still? I think we tend to be more of an, an intermediary where we help shape that message and help try to bring proper data and perspective to whatever the specific points are that are being negotiated to help support our client in, in getting that and achieving that outcome. But it's less of uh, being deputized, so to speak, with with a certain you know range or tolerance of of outcomes and and go see what you can achieve or accomplish on our behalf. That's that's not what we do. It's not it's not our role. We're we're here again to kind of advocate and and and, and advise and assist, which again I think largely takes takes the shape of uh, of just helping bring if he's negotiating any point of of, of any deal bringing um, the data or the perspective to bear to help support the argument that or the point that our client may be making as opposed to them just negotiating on their behalf. Mm-hmm. So Jeff, what are, what are the steps, I mean, in hiring a banker? How does it work? Well, again, that, that can take a lot of different shapes as well. I think the classic case is a company has decided to sell itself or raise money or engage in any type of capital transaction and they formally seek to have bankers pitch. And through that process, they may interview anywhere from a small handful to several investment banks, whereby a company will provide some degree of information, oftentimes summary financial data or operational info on the business, which then gives bankers the ability to develop a, a presentation around how we would position a business to the market. And through that, how we think about who the right comparable set is and what we think the appropriate valuation would be. And and as a result of all of that, who we think the right investors or buyers are. So the steps tend to be exactly that. If you interview a group and share some info and, and then folks come in and share ideas, share views, and it's quite interactive. And what we see is companies tend to choose those who, who tend to understand their business or come in with a very well-developed point of view on how they're going to present a company to the market and how they're going to draw comparisons to particular comparable sets and what that all means then in the context of, of what the transaction would look like. Got it. Thanks. I mean, once they pick their banker, next step is what? If I hire the banker, like, okay, let's go. We like you. What's the next step? Yeah, again, that varies based on what kind of transaction is being undertaken. But at a high level, simplistic steps are: you, so you you hire a banker, and there's oftentimes a prep period where folks are getting documents organized, presentation materials, you know, financial models, other diligence info. There's a prep period to assemble that, so everything is ready to go. And through that, you know, the the banker is is certainly. Uh, building their understanding of the business and, and the story. And then from there, it's you know formally launching, again, putting aside whatever type of transaction there may be, but formally launching and going to market and beginning that formal outreach where you're communicating with investors or buyers and sharing information. And from there, it's really, again, a, a very iterative process to respond to questions and diligence needs and time management 
so you can continue to just narrow down the field of prospective investors or buyers to get to the the small group that that you really want to spend a lot of time with here to try to finalize what a transaction might look like. Good deal. Well, Jeff, we've seen you in action for uh, a few years and how you you and your team busted your chops on behalf of our client. And it was a wonderful experience for us to have that bird's eye view to what you guys are doing day in and day out. And even though we had that bird's eye view, I'm sure we still don't have a full appreciation for all that is entailed. But when you closed a particular transaction, I think it was last March as things were shutting down due to the onset of COVID in a in a big way, it was really uh, something. And, and knock on wood, Josh, I think you would support this. All of our experiences with our UBS bankers as well as bankers within our boutique network so far have just been stellar across the board. No, they've been great. We've definitely had just the privilege of, of being a part of several deals now. And Jeff, I think you said in the very beginning, you know, this is most likely the biggest financial event of their life. And having the right people surround you is so important. And when you go through the steps in running an efficient process, if you don't get, if you don't have the right people in place, it's going to make for a, a challenging process. And, you know, it's a big undertaking. I remember having some conversations with one of our other clients and, you know, two months into the process, he was like, Josh, what did you what did you get me into here? You know, this is this is a lot of work. <laughs> but ultimately he ended up having a an exit that was about almost four times what he was offered unsolicited from another company. And so I think he was pretty happy at the end, you know. So Jeff, any uh, parting thoughts on the, you know, the on the process itself or any other last bit? bits of advice for not only actually the you know owners of companies that are listening to us, but the other advisors that are advising owners out there? Well, I think we, you guys hit on a lot of the you know, right questions that are, are always top of mind when we're looking to get involved or make an impact. Like I said, I just, I can't emphasize enough uh, the value we think should be placed upon really finding someone who understands your business and, and your industry or your sector. But alongside that, it's going to give you the honest, right, true advice Outside of that, we've hit on we've, you guys have hit on a number of good questions that are all critical in in shaping if and who a potential business owner hires when they're when they're contemplating something like this. Well, good deal. Well, enjoyed it very much. Uh, you know, we we took a step back, talked about what a banker does, what they do, how they add value, knowing some great questions to be asking, understanding how the process works in hiring a banker. So hopefully for those of you out there that are listening to this, you've got a few pieces of good nuggets that you can take away and to help you navigate your next chapter. So, you know, Jeff, thank you so much. As always, you're always very generous with your time and take our calls and we enjoy our conversations with you. And congratulations again on the recent promotion. I know that that there's been a lot of hard work and sacrifice that's gone into that. So congratulations on that. Thank you. You guys have been you guys have been great partners and looking forward to doing more together. Well, very good. Very good. Well, this is Josh Pottinger and Jason Georgianis. And remember this, know your options, be informed, and plan early. So until next time, have a good one.